0: There's been quite a bit of discussion about Canada's military spending going forward as we approach the next federal budget. A big part of that is expected to be a contribution to the modification of NORAD. Yes, not only do they track Santa for the kids on Christmas Eve, they also help us detect incoming aerospace threats like missiles and enemy fighters. Their line of radar stations in the north end of the country was completed in the 80s and is now in bad need of an update. Should cost about 10 to 20 billion dollars, no big deal it's partly paid for by the u.s so that'll help let's bring in dr whitney lockenbauer canada research chair in the study of the canadian north at trent university to discuss this good morning good afternoon i guess dr lockenbauer
1: good afternoon mark but glad to be on the show
0: glad to have you how badly out of date are we uh in terms of our, our arctic, arctic defense and are we totally blind
1: to incoming threats so i think the best way to think about the north warning system is that it's not like it's completely out of date. It still Mm -hmm. generates useful information on some things going on within Canadian aerospace. It's that the nature of some of the emerging threats from some of our global competitors mean that, that the information that it collects is not enough to give us enough advanced warning time to detect and then ultimately defend against some of these threats, And One of the challenges is that that while it's gathering useful information, it's just not sending it fast enough, and we're not able to process it fast enough to make sure that our decision makers are able to make timely decisions to keep us all safe.
0: And I would assume that as time passes and technology advances, and we certainly know that technology when it comes to uh, military applications advances very, very quick, uh, as that time passes, we're just going to fall further and further behind.
1: Yeah, I think that's it. I think for North Americans, it's a bit of a wake-up call. I mean, I live, you know, near Toronto and, you know, we think of the Arctic as giving us lots of time. If a threat's coming over top, that that we're going to have time to be able to respond. Mm -hmm. The reality is that these threats are now moving at supersonic speeds. So, the amount of time that we have to be able to detect and respond in whatever way is appropriate to meet these threats is shrinking. And it is born, as you said, of technology, which is compressing time and space. And For myself, it's how do we strike the right balance between not being overly alarmed at what are threats to North America, while at the same time recognizing that the Canadian North is no longer a sanctuary,
0: and Canada is
1: no longer inherently protected from global threats.
0: When we talk about threats, what specifically are we talking about? What are we being threatened by? Who are we being threatened by?
1: Well, I think immediate term, many of our minds immediately are going to Russia. We've seen Russia's brutal inv- further invasion of Ukraine, and questions about where Russia stands in terms of its place in global affairs. So certainly we have had a long-standing attentiveness to the threat that Russia poses over the North Pole. And Russia has certainly developed advanced systems that can strike at North American targets. We just hope that it doesn't want to do so because it knows that this would provoke World War III and nobody wins in, of the human species from that kind of a scenario. But we're also looking at long-term, some of them pacing threats like China, who have also demonstrated advanced delivery systems that could strike at North America. And also new technologies like glide vehicles, which can actually be steered while coming at us at, at hypersonic speeds for which quite frankly, right now we don't have defenses.
0: And when we talk about these threats, uh, I mean, you listed a, a bunch of ways that we could potentially be attacked there, but it may not even necessarily be attacks, right? It could be just threats to sovereignty in terms of the, the resources that we have.
1: So I really don't see an ac- acute threat environment with respect to sovereignty in the in the sense that many of us imagine it. I don't think anybody's going to challenge or contest Canada for our Arctic resources, for example. Mm-hmm. But what we have seen play out is not just these kind of military threats, or sometimes military people call about as kinetic threats, where things blow up. It's also threats relating to cyberspace. It's competition for loyalties of Canadians or are trying to polarize our debates through information warfare. And within the Arctic, also recognizing that that for Canadians, we have very strong commitments to our northern peoples and guarantees that, that like all Canadians, they have the right to be protected and and have the right to also live in, a, in an environment that, that we're being good stewards of. So when I think about the nature of some of the activity in the Arctic, that's that's also changed or is projected to change as say the ice melts and different types of activities pick up, we have to also be thinking about a whole bunch of different types of threats when the military service they call all domain, not just military, but also political threats, societal threats, environmental threats, and in economic threats. And how is Canada prepared to not only be detecting threats, but also responding to them appropriately.
0: And when you look at the infrastructure that we have there, again, completed in the 80s, are we, how can I word this without sounding naive? Are, are, are we behind? Should we have done these upgrades already? Are we sort of flat footed right now or, or is now about the right time span uh, where any country would sort of need an update at this point with
1: what we have there? I think I'll suggest that we've been fortunate that we haven't faced an invasion. Our strategy towards deterrence, which is convincing someone who might think of attacking us that they don't want to do so because the cost will be too high, right? That's worked up to this point. I think making the right smart investments and not only upgrading the North Warning System, those radar stations that you mentioned, but also thinking about the connectivity, thinking about the whether it's cables allowing them to link up, with decision makers in a a lightning fast way, also building infrastructure to make sure we have the transportation supports for those systems, but also for things like our our fighter jets to be able to go and do intercepts when some of our competitors come and fly just outside of Canadian airspace and all that. All of this needs to be bundled together and Canada does face a situation right now where, where we need to be acting and making these smart investments. They've been definitely on the political radar for a long time. I think now is the time for us to act.
0: Yeah, it's an important investment. I mean, I, when you talk about military spending, I think automatically a lot of people cringe. It's not some something people like to think about. It's There's a lot of things that you would rather give your money to. Sure, no one wants to uh, get into a fight and no one wants to sort of think about funding the military until you need it. And I think Ukraine has certainly uh, awoken a lot of people. There's a lot of things that have happened in Ukraine that just weeks before it occurred, we thought Russia would never do that. And here we are. Dr. Whitney Lockenbauer, Canada Research Chair in the Study of the Canadian North at Trent University. Thank you so much for your time, doctor.
1: Thanks, Mark.